Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good to see everyone on this fine Sunday. If you are a visitor with us, welcome. Good to have you. We planned for this, that you'd be here. So we have these communication cards. If you'd like to fill one of those out so we can say thanks for joining us and you can get to know a bit about Good Shepherd. If you really want to get to know Good Shepherd, boy howdy, do you have a rare opportunity. As we have our annual report out where you can grab one of those, it is beautiful. I am loud as all get out today. Um, and uh, yeah, you can read stories about how we've been on pilgrimage over this past year. We hope you'll check that out. Also, another publication we're working on here at Good Shepherd is a new church directory. We'll be getting those this fall. So photography dates are coming up in October. But that means you need to make your appointment for that now. Uh, so stop by the table in the lobby to make your appointment. Um, if you're not able to do that this weekend at the table, you could do it online. They have instructions on that out there as well. Also in the lobby, you have the opportunity to vote for your church council members. There's a ballot. There's seven candidates. We want you to vote for four. And there is this lovely sheet available. Man, we are flush with publications, aren't we? Print material, an embarrassment of print material out there. Your candidates, you can ha make such an informed decision. Yes, you can vote for them here. Um, and then as your way in, you probably saw the literal just cornucopia of sweets out there on your way in. That is because we are having a Connections Cafe today and our confirmation students are in there with their faith masterpieces. This is how they wrap up their time in confirmation as they share uh, this expression of their faith. You can stop by room 100 for coffee and donuts and fruit and you know how Pastor Pat do. She puts out a lot of good stuff. You know, I saw her coming in today. It was like a whole back seat full of donuts Just, up to the windows. It was like fogging up. It's so many donuts. With windows. Buskin's with like, donuts. Pastor Pat's coming. That's right. Everybody yes. out of the way. And then. She's coming from Good Shepherd. Watch out. Yes. Those people eat a lot of donuts. All right. We do, though. Okay. Uh, also, uh, last chance this week to sign up for the class Look, Listen, Leap which begins on Wednesday night. You can sign up at Sign Up Central or on uh, Realm. If you're interested as well in going to Haiti, how have we not talked? You need to go. It's great. We're going to go in November and um, in February, so let me know if you're interested. It's really impressive. It's a great trip, and you'll get to see some incredible things. Um, finally, thanks to everyone who was here for God's grace, your hands. Uh, Please remember, if you receive this gift and you have found out how you're going to share that gift, I hope you'll share that story with us. We've been updating the website. There's a total, I think, of 17 or so stories right now of how people are using their gifts. Um, share yours as well. If going to our website is intimidating, understandable, we are willing to go through the laborious effort of transcribing your story if you'll just write it on a sheet we have out there in the narthex. Again, more print material. Wow. Okay. 
So uh, with that, I think we're ready to roll. Thank you so much for joining us for worship this day. Good morning. Enslave poor people for one piece of silver or a pair of sandals. Now the Lord has sworn this oath by his own name, the pride of Israel. I will never forget the wicked things you have done. We will read Psalm 113 responsively. Praise the Lord. Yes, give praise, O servants the Lord of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord now and forever. Everywhere from east to west, praise the name of the Lord. For the Lord is high above nations. His glory is higher than the heavens. Who can be compared with the Lord our God who is enthroned on high? He stoops down to heaven earth. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, even the princes of his own people. He gives the childless woman a family, making her a happy mother. Praise the Lord. The second reading is from the first chapter of Timothy. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that they can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And I have been chosen as a preacher and apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. I'm not exaggerating, just telling the truth. Here ends the reading. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel lesson today comes from the 16th chapter of Luke. So Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling all of his affairs. And one day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this that I hear about you? Get your report in order. You're going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, so how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill, change it to 400 gallons. How much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat, was the reply. Well, here, the manager said, take the bill, change it to 800 bushels. 
The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it's true. Children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. But here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others, to make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. See, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are trustworthy about worldly wealth, if you are, are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? If you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? See, no one can serve two masters. For they either hate one or love the other. You'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You may be seated. Woof. Y'all hear that one? You guys, Jesus, he's going right there, isn't he? Um, it's funny, I, I get to work on the team with our Man a Dream team, our planning team as we engage these stories and how we're going to uh, talk to kids and adults, faith formation for all ages. And let me tell you, this one came up and we're like, okay, so what'd you hear? And everyone was like this. A lot of things. I don't know if I get it though, you know, because we were hearing that, right? There was a lot of talk basically about, hey, pretty clever use of dishonesty there. Not bad. Nice job. You, you had a legal debt to collect and you were like, no, 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 don't do that. I'm going to better my own situation. And the landowner's like, pretty clever, dishonest manager. And Jesus is like, yeah, nice move. Very clever. What? Dishonesty gets the thumbs up for some reason. I don't get this. Is that what Jesus is? Did Jesus just say that? Yes, kind of. He did. Kind of. I mean, kind of, because I've been struggling with this one all week. I mean, thankfully, it's clearly wrapped up at the end in something we can take away, which is like, serve people, don't serve money. Well, easy enough. That seems like a pretty healthy practice. Um, but I wanted to go a lot deeper into the context of this story, like where the story takes place in the bigger story. And also, uh, who is Jesus talking to? Why did this situation come up where he'd tell this story? So this is a teaching lesson, folks. This isn't going to get too lofty of ideas. I'm really talking about exactly what's going on here and how it applies to us. Um, first off, this story itself is part of a section of Jesus' teachings called the lost things. So last week, if you were here, points. Well done. You've already heard one lost thing story or two. You got to hear a story about when one of nine, one of a hundred of these things gets away. What are they? Bah. Sheep, yep. The good shepherd finds the lost thing and brings them back. When you, the woman, she lost something. A coin, right? Sweeps the house, finds it. We would have then heard the next story about this son who takes his inheritance and leaves and has to come back after he goes through this famine and his, everything's wasted away. And we have the story of the lost son, right? The prodigal son returns and is found. And then, guess what, folks? There is no break. It goes right into this one. This is technically another lost thing story. And you're going, well, what's the lost thing we're talking about here? How about a lost job? 
He's about to lose his job, you know. Um, this is a lost thing story. And what we're going to do is uh, we're also going to consider that this is not just about a lost thing. This is also a story that's being told in a social time, a historical time, where people would have known things. So um, this story is being told to people who lived in the place where Jesus was roughly around, in Israel, right, in ancient Israel. And when Jesus was born, Herod was king, and Herod wasn't a king people really liked, but he was placed there by the Romans. Jesus was born in an occupied land. He lived his whole life in this occupation of Rome over this part of the Middle East. So we need to know something about where he is. Jesus is from up north, Galilee. The seat of power is in the south in Jerusalem, and that's coincidentally where all the Romans would predominantly hang out who were in charge, because that's the seat of power. That's where there's lots of infrastructure and all this stuff. So what they would do is they'd eat up all the grapes, all the wheat, all the grain, all that stuff. They had money, and the people up north, Jesus, who would have literally been considered like a hick, like a farm kid, like nothing good comes from Nazareth. You know what I mean? Like, he's up there with those folks, and he's talking to these Pharisees, and they're talking about, Jesus, why do you always hang out with such losers, sinners and tax collectors? And he goes into this story of lost things, lost things. So with wealth predominantly existing in the South, we can say that this landowner is either Roman or a Roman sympathizer, at least. He's benefiting greatly by this occupation. Because what we notice is when he sends his manager, is he collecting money for his property? No. He's collecting stuff. Wheat, olive oil, grapes, whatever. He's doing that because, as Brian McLaren reminded me, he always helps me with his sort of historical context. Um, when Rome occupies the land, they exploit it because why else would you conquer something? Um, and the way they exploit them is through taxation. Taxes. Jesus talks a lot about taxes. Um, they would pay such high taxes, all the people in the north, the less wealthy people would be given such stiff taxes that they couldn't afford it. So a wealthy Roman or a wealthy person in the south could then say, hey, I'll pay your taxes, bud, no problemo. I'll pay them. I just get the land. Cool? You can stay there. You can live there. You can grow the grain. You can sell the grain. But I own it. And that also means I get a cut of everything you grow. Can you imagine a system where the poor stay poor and the rich stay rich? Wow, it's wild. It's a wild system we're talking about. So he's sending folks to collect what he believes is his. Take their cut, sell it for the lowest price down in the south. So needless to say, northern farmers, Jesus included being a, a, a basic construction worker from up north, wouldn't have liked these southern landowners culturally. Because they'd take the cut of all this hard-working people, and it would it'd be terrible. So managers had a hard time then collecting, too. There's even parables of managers going and being killed by the landowners because they're squeezing them too tight. So they send middle managers to go do the will of those who lived in the South. The way you kept your job as a manager was collect. Also, don't get killed. That helps, too. But collect. And that's the balance. Collect as much as you can without getting killed. Get as much as you can and you'll keep your job. So the manager would keep their job if they kept their boss happy and could stay alive. This is a story, I repeat, about a loss of 
purpose. There's a loss here. The purpose of the manager before this story is get paid. Make a living. Make the rich man rich and he'll keep feeding you. Good deal. But it's a poor, I mean, what's he frustrated with? He gets told, sorry bud, not good enough, get out of here. He's been doing this job of making the guy rich, but he's saying, no, not good enough. It's not enough. You haven't done enough. Maybe the manager's lazy. Maybe he's a thief. Maybe he hasn't squeezed the farmers hard enough. And looking over the books, he's like, why aren't I getting more than I'm getting? But getting fired, he finds out his next job. He says, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't dig ditches, which presumes he might be an older person. I'm not going to beg. There's pride here. But I've got nothing. I've, I've lost this. The manager who I've tried to serve my whole life has just said, get lost. Has anyone ever been laid off before? Woof. It stinks. My guess is especially hard when it's a position that was very challenging, where the owner seems to do nothing except pay, and the manager has to travel to these places and settle these debts. And here he is, cut loose. Imagine a position where the people you worked with despised you. Your job was to go there and say, hey, sorry, I know you worked hard, but this guy I work for is going to take the things you grew and sell it for less than you can sell it. He's kind of going to undercut you, but I need to get it. It's kind of one of those jobs that makes you question your values, I imagine. Squeeze the farmers from up north. These are his own tribe's people. He's going to squeeze them in order to make his boss richer, a Roman sympathizer at the least. You ever have a job that encourages you maybe like to upsell or something like that? I've worked in retail. You know, you got to make sure they get this too or try to get them to buy this too. And sometimes I'm like, man, if they're not asking for it, I don't want to make them do that. Feels shady, you know? Or have you ever had a business you worked for that had ethics that you just were like, I don't know if I support what we're doing. It's hard, but you got to put food on the table. Living in the South's expensive. Better than digging ditches. Better than begging. So we had to compromise. Like the tax collectors, the Pharisees couldn't stand. He made compromises and then was probably perceived by many as a sympathizer, a traitor, a sneaky little worm, a Caesar lover, a Roman book, a bootlicker. He put money before his own people, they'd say about him. Jesus, why do you hang out with people like this? He compromises. Lost, they'd call him. So Jesus tells the story of the boss firing this lost person for mismanagement. And he's terrified because what's he going to do now that he's done this work for so long? Sacrificed, compromised his own values, abandoned them in some cases, I'm sure. And now what? He's hung out to dry? What's his purpose now? What are his values now? And that's where the turn happens, that we start scratching our head. He gets clever, shrewd, they call him. He flips it. Because he knows the source of all of his wealth was never really serving him at all. In the order of things, he's found out his position is very expendable, clearly. Regardless of the sacrifices he's made, he's getting cut. The rich man doesn't care about his relationship. He cares more about what flows from the relationship. Specifically the books, give me your accounts. The rich man doesn't care that the manager abandoned his values. He cares that the relationship is not getting him enough. So the manager has to find his value again. And he finds it in no longer serving the rich man anymore. 
He's making a deal. He's changing it. He's going to manage the accounts, and we hear it. What is it? It's like, you owe 100, make it 80. You owe 100, give me 50. He gets some return for his boss, but he does it in a way that gives a break to those farmers, to the poor, those people he hasn't had to consider at all in the past because they were never part of his motivation. What once was lost, right? What was lost was his concern for his brothers and sisters, how they were going to make ends meet, about the efforts they made toiling in all seasons. What was lost was that his neighbor is his greatest responsibility. And what he found in getting fired is the realization that he meant nothing at all to the rich man. This was not a relationship at all. It was an exchange. But we still sometimes get hung up on that dishonesty piece, right? He stole money. He mismanaged someone else's money. He did something he wasn't supposed to do. If you're still sitting there and saying that, it's because Jesus means for us to say that because he's pointing out that we have a hard time in valuing our relationships and many things when money gets involved. He says something that all of us know is true. Money isn't the ultimate measure of all things, obviously. But more than that, he's saying quite explicitly, even if you got a slimy job like this, because they've just called him out for hanging out with people like this, even if you make money by dishonest means, I mean the slimiest, but you would do best to use that money to help people, to give them a break, to service relationships, not let relationships serve money. Let that money serve a relationship. He goes even further and says a thing that I wouldn't have the guts to say if Jesus hadn't said it first, which is you can't love God and love money. You can't do it. I warned you Jesus was saying some pretty wild stuff. <laughs> Let that sink in because we do love money. We need money. We need it, right? Because it's protection, it's security, it's safety, it's food. It's... But Jesus is looking at that and saying, yes, absolutely, folks. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You're criticizing these tax collectors and these sinners for the ways they come about their money. Make sure all of you, yes, money is important, but make sure you wash your hands after you touch it because it's no small thing. It's a dangerous thing, especially when we get enough of it to make us value people incorrectly. We can get so mixed up in our panicked pursuit of money and safety that we forget you can't eat money, can't drink money. When you're going through a challenging time of losing a loved one, money doesn't say, I love you and I'm sorry that this happened. When you're full of doubt, Money doesn't say, I'm here to listen. And I'd love to pray with you about this. <laughs> it doesn't tell you you're loved, worthy of respect. It doesn't tell you you're made in the image of God. It doesn't tell you you were made to do beautiful things. But sometimes we pursue it and serve it at the expense of one another at the expense of the gifts God has given us, creation itself. And when we do that, Jesus is saying clearly, yeah, I hang out with these people, and they're lost. The manager, the owner, the sheep, the coin, the son, 
the tax collectors, the sinners. Yes, they're lost. Absolutely. You get lost. But what's good news is for lost sheep like us, he finds them. He finds them and he brings them back and he teaches them a new way. He cares about them more than letting them get away. He's calling us back into the fold and back into specifically the kingdom of God, calling us out of managing our wealth, instead calling us to manage our relationships in the kingdom. You know the top two things Jesus talks about? Literally, quantify his message and topics. Number one thing he talks about is what? Anyone know? Money. Guys always talk about money, followed closely by the kingdom, God's hope. Money in the kingdom. The kingdom has an economic system, and it is a people-first system. It doesn't prioritize the wealthy. It doesn't demonize them either. The managers, it prioritizes God, and God prioritizes all people. Everybody matters. All of creation is important and loved. The laborer, the sinner, the tax collector, you and me, thank God. Yeah. I love it. Yes, a round of applause. Proclamation. Yes. She matters. She matters as much as any one of us. It all matters. This table was set for all people. And when Jesus is called out for hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, he says, yeah, that's my business. I'm here for the lost sheep. If Jesus is here for you, folks, you're lost. (laughs) Good. Because that doesn't change who Jesus is, which is the one who seeks out the lost and brings us in. And brothers and sisters, we don't have to stay this way. God's doing something incredible with lost things, beautiful things out of lost sheep, lost coins, lost people. So folks, Whatever you do, all the times we doubt ourselves and wonder if we're up to scratch, know this, you are made for the purpose of blessing the world. Blessing the world. Even with all this dishonest wealth, (laughs) we can use what we have to serve and we are never too far gone. Never. And for that, I say as honestly and earnestly as I can, Thanks be to God for that. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.